thinking the greatest gift that we could give or as a father receive as a father is young people who know Jesus Christ and walk by faith. Amen to that? You know, we'll throw away the ties and they'll wear out or they'll go out of style. But a young person who puts his faith in the Lord and understands that truly God is the reward is the greatest gift. And I thank the Lord that we can celebrate Father's Day today. And as you come in this morning, you say, well, it doesn't quite look like Father's Day around here. Well, it's vacation Bible school time, and we uh, take this time, and there's no service tonight, uh, for to get ready for vacation Bible school. And you know, there'll be many children here tomorrow. They said that there's 106 already pre-registered for tomorrow. I think that's the highest number we've ever had uh, pre-register. Uh, and uh, we need to be praying for those young people, lives to be changed, hearts and families to be coming into the kingdom and, and to find purpose in life. And I, I hope you will pray. I hope you will invite folks. You've been given a bulletin that has an insert there. If you have grandchildren or, or neighbors, that, that you can invite them to come. It will go through Thursday. We will not have a Wednesday night prayer meeting, but we'll have our closing time on Thursday. Would you just... Commit to pray and uh, just ask God what He would do. There are many hands that are making this happen. Uh, as you look around, you know, everything that you see, almost everything here, had to be cut out, had to be drawn, had to be... And I looked at uh, Denise Larson. I said, boy, you got more time on your hands than I thought you had. Uh, she is, I think, the mastermind of all of this. I mean, what an artistic person. And all the people, I came over yesterday and I saw all these folks here. And I came in Thursday and all these cars in the parking lot and all these people working. The dedication. And they were having fun. I preached on Sunday or Wednesday. I says, you know, walking in the spirit and being spirit controlled versus trying to do things in the flesh as a born again believer is the difference of I have to do it or I get to do it. And you understand that. I mean, there's a big difference. And, you know, I had to change my vocabulary from I have to get up and preach on Sunday morning or I have to sing in the choir or I have to go to Sunday school rather than we get to. I get to handle the Word of God this morning. And I want to tell you something. It is so rich. And I'm going to preach on a person this morning that mo all of you know about. Now, as I came in this morning, I, I didn't know that I was trying to think, you know, as I looked around what the theme was. And that's interesting on Noah. But what came to my mind is the life of Jonah. And I was thinking about it as I came in this morning. Ah, you're the guilty one cast out of the ship. Oh, oh, help, help. Look at that. And, and all going around and everything. And over there is the whale. Jim, how would you like to bend Jonah? The reason Jonah was kicked out of that ship is because he wouldn't follow God. On... Uh, Monday, Monday, our softball game, though that was a painful experience watching the score continue on, and we didn't even stop with the mercy rule, them having mercy on us. 
I asked the uh, fellas on the team, we're having little devotions at the end, and I says, which person in the Bible were uh, especially dear to you? And, and many mentioned the names that are found there in the uh, book of Hebrews. And there are many wonderful folks there. It's interesting, the people that are in that book and the people that are not in that book. God makes no mistakes when he writes things. And uh, many favorite Bible characters came up. But no one mentioned Jonah, that they would like to be like Jonah. Or no one mentioned that they would like to be like Ahab or Judas or Lot or any others of those who were the many failures in the Bible. Uh, we love those in those success stories. But even in those success stories, there are struggles that those people went through that are in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And this morning, I want to talk about a person, and I thought about this, and as we asked these, this question to the, the fellows on the team, I think it was Mike Dvorsky that... Uh, brought up the, the name Job. Now, how many have ever heard of Job? Can I see your hands? All right. Do you think he made it into the Hebrews chapter 11 uh, book? He should have, but he did not. When you look up his name, you'll find that his name is basically in the book of Job and only a couple other places in the entire Bible. It's interesting as we will look at this chapter uh, and this book in this morning's lesson. And if you would, turn to uh, Job chapter 42, if you would. Let's see if we can get uh, the right screen up here. Let's see if we can get that right screen. There it is. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> I asked God to help me to know what message to bring this morning, and He just laid this on. I just finished that day, chapter 42, and I had read the last two chapters of the book of Job. Uh, we get the privilege this morning to read the rest of the story. We actually get the privilege to see these events that are historical events from the perspective of how God wrote them. Job did not have this perspective. In fact, Job didn't even have a Bible. Do you all understand that? He did not have a Bible. Most uh, folks believe that Job was the very first book that was ever written. And when you think about that, being the first book uh, that written, no, it wasn't Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, or Deuteronomy. That was written by uh, Moses, and that was uh, uh, thousands of years after the events took place, especially creation there. And you read the historical books there and the Pentateuch that Moses wrote. Job didn't have that. And yet we read here some incredible insight of the thinking that they had of who God is. And I want to bring that out this morning as we read about this story and, and we look at some things. And as I was having my devotions this last week or two in the book of Job, there were various things that stood out to me, things that I've not seen before. And so even though we've heard the story of Job, I'd like to again look at it from the very first time 
as we look at it this morning. Father, I pray that you'll help us, that you'll work in our hearts. And Lord, as we see some things here in this book, that you will open our eyes of understanding. I pray that your Holy Spirit would do his work in our hearts today. The power of your word and the truth of your word can transform our lives. And Lord, really, as we see uh, the understanding that Job had of who God is, and that, Father, that you would help us to understand this book is not just uh, thrown in in the Bible as uh, just an additive. Father, it gives so many foundational truths that we can understand who you are. And I pray that, Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts. Now enable me anointing upon this preacher, the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. The, the, you know, one of the things that I, I, I believe that, as I saw in this book, is how it fits what we've been talking about in the Lord's Prayer about forgiveness and deliverance and things like this. And so we're going to see some of those things. The Old Testament view, even bef- uh, after Job, uh, but, but you'll see this kind of in there, kind of the verse that Ernie picked out this morning in Psalm 128 which is one of the Psalms of Ascent, and talking about, I'm going to eat of the fruit of my hands and the blessings of those who serve and the fear of the Lord. And in our minds, and in the Old Testament primarily, there was this concept that if you please God, that you would have a wonderful life. And sometimes that has entered into our minds as well. And if I could say that Job is... The monkey wrench in that type of thinking because Job was a fantastic person. Would you not agree? We get to read here at the end, and I'll just read a couple of uh, the uh, verses here at the end. Verses uh, chapter 42, 1 through 6. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered things that I understood not, things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Things too wonderful for me. Isn't that amazing? After everything that Job went through. And he's sitting there, as we would understand it, covered with boils. He came to understand who God is. Now, he says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhorred myself and I repent in dust and ashes. That's an interesting ending there to the book. Now, we all know what took place in the book, don't we? We, we really do. And so if we go back to chapter 1, I've already said the beginning here is that this is the first book probably written because Israel's not mentioned. It is the a poetical book. In other words, the, the first 17 books of the Old Testament are the historical books. Then you get into the next five books, which are the poetical books. So Job is a poetical book. You have to understand Hebrew poetry, different from uh, American poetry or other countries' poetry. But it begins with chapter 1, verse 1. It says, there was a man in the land of Oz. So now we go back. We discovered this, this first person here. 
whose name was Job. What does Job's name mean? I know Cheryl knows that answer because she typed up my notes. You know, until I started pre- preparing this message, Pastor, I didn't know what his name means. When we said his name, Job, it means hated. It means hated. Isn't that interesting? Now, guess who he's hated by? Satan. And God hates everyone who loves uh, uh, Satan hates everyone who loves God. Notice here, his name was Job. He was perfect. He was upright. One that feared God and shunned and got away from evil. And then it talks about his, his family, his seven sons and three daughters. How many children does he have? Ten children. All right. And then it talks about his 7,000 sheep, his 3,000 camels, his 500 yokes of oxen, his 500 she asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all men of the East. He was a wealthy man. Now, I want to say this, as we think about the lessons, and I, and I hope you will just write down maybe a couple lessons that maybe you've not thought about as you look at this portion of Scripture. Because sometimes we read through things real quick, don't we? And I believe that there's something here for you this morning to catch. And I would like you to write down those points and then think about those points. But here's we see this perfect man. He was also a very successful man. That, my friends, is often a paradox. Because in a man's success, he often does not fear God. And he oftentimes finds himself in pride. Would you not agree? So here this man is having all these great things come into his life. And yet he fears God. He loves his family. And he worships the God whom he does not have a Bible. But he knows him. He knows him so infinitely. Here most of us have maybe five Bibles in our home. And here's a man who worships God in spite of all the successes that he has. The devil would love you to leave God out of the picture when you become successful. And I have seen it time and time again. I have a uh, Schofield Bible, and uh, Dr. Schofield said, he says, it's not how a man handles his failures, it's how he handles his successes. And I want to encourage you to trust the Lord and to love the Lord and to give thanks to the Lord. But as we read in Psalms and the blessings and the concepts of the Old Testament, oftentimes what comes in our mind that if I love God, then I get all this stuff. And it's almost like a bartering with God. And some people worship God to get the things that they have in their lives. That's not the way God wants to have the relationship with him. Today, we live in a name it and claim it mindset. And some of us as Christians have difficulty understanding the tragedies or the struggles that come into our life. And I personally believe that God put this book in the Bible to help us to understand difficult things come to good people. Amen to that? 
Why did that have to happen? Now, as you go into the book, the, most of this book is trying to figure that out. And when you come to the end of the book, guess what? God never does tell him the reason why. So, as we look at these thoughts, our Bible pathway says, It is easy for us to believe that our pain and suffering is a punishment rather than a test or a message. But it is even easier and far more foolhardly to assume that all ease and contentment is a blessing. You know, the devil might help you to pack your suitcases loaded with some great things to carry you away from God's direction. I want to encourage that. We don't see this in Job's life, but yet the tragedy came. And uh, we see here the, uh, the events taking place and you see devil, the devil coming on the scene. And it's interesting, he goes up into heaven with the angels. And the Bible says in uh, verse 7, the Lord said to Satan, whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. We discover that the devil is pursuing. We see in the New Testament that he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You don't understand it, and maybe I don't understand it, because we cannot see the heavenly world out there. But who might be pursuing you? Who might be chasing after you and trying to discover a weakness or a failure in your lives? He's pursuing. Uh, and I, I don't know how fast he can pursue. I dare say it's probably not 60 miles an hour. Would you agree? He is not omnipresent, though. Do you understand that? He is not omnipresent. Now, I was reading uh, this morning. I'm in to the book of Psalms because Psalms is the next book after Job. And I read this morning Psalm 23. And verse uh, six, the last verse of Psalm 23 says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do you know God pursues us too, doesn't he? And in our path, he has goodness and mercy and these types of things. As you continue reading, and the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feared God and eschewed evil. And Satan answered the Lord and says, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him? Isn't Job just about serving you because of what he can get? But you touch him, you afflict him, and he'll curse you. God says, all right, go after it. And I'll tell you what, the devil goes after, doesn't it? You see the hatred. And as he goes in and you see the bankruptcy, you see here that uh, he loses all of his substance the, and he loses his ten children. Let me ask you, do you believe that Job loved his ten children? Yeah, he prayed for them on a daily basis. He loved his children. You can imagine that. And God kills his kid. Now, interesting here in my mind, you remember the next time that Satan comes 
He says uh, uh, to him, have you considered my servant again? Remember that? You know how Job handled the first go-around, if you would call it that. The first go-around, the Bible says that in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He had the right spirit and the right heart, no matter all that took place in his life. And so in chapter 2, you'll see the voice of the accuser coming again and pursuing again around. And God says unto him, or Satan says, you know what? If you afflict his body, he'll curse you. And God says to him, listen, you can bring the, bring the afflictions on, but don't kill him. Now, when I read this at first, I was thinking, do you know God allowed... His children to be killed. Right or wrong? Can God allow people to be killed at the hands of the devil? Yes. That was not a condition there in this first go-around. And Satan took, I believe, what was the most precious aspect of his children. Now, when you think about that, when you think about that, You and I must keep in remembrance that even though his children died, did he lose his children? There's a marvelous truth here in the book of Job. In fact, you think of this book as as a book that is the first book being written. Job says, I know I'm going to see you. I know my Redeemer liveth. I know that there's life after death. Do you know there's life after death? Where are you going to spend eternity? When you come to the end of this book and you discover that Job receives the double portion, you go and you study it out and you find out that he had all those sheep and those cattle and those she-asses and everything doubled at the end. But when you look at how many children he was given at the end of the book, how many is he given? Ten. Which means those first ten were never lost. Some of you have had children pass and you've had loved ones pass. If they know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're in eternity. They're not gone. They're in heaven. And praise the Lord for that. It's a marvelous truth that's being brought out here. And in fact, when you study this out and, and you see this is the hands of God bringing this out. And so Job is afflicted with boils. And after he's afflicted with boils, you all know if his wife speaks up in verse 9. And she said unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Now, I would be a little tough on her. How about you? Man, Job had integrity. And when families have struggles going on and they they need one another, that's when husbands and wives need to bind together, isn't it? It's not when you... Pull yourselves apart. And I started thinking about this a little bit. I know that Job loved his children. But I also know that a mother's love for her children is greater than most father's loves. Would you not agree with me? You can imagine. She lost those ten children also. And can I say this? Let's not be too hard on her because some of us will say 
some foolish things. But at the end of the book, does God bless her? As far as I know, she's still his wife at the end of the book, as it is here. And God gave her ten more children. Right or wrong? You see, those things that we read in, and sometimes when we read the scriptures, we, we fail to realize those human emotions. But yet, the poetical books are about human emotions. The blessings. You know, some of us will enter into this concept, as I've already talked about, in the, uh, the name it and claim it mindset. There's a fellow, and I don't know him personally, Paul uh, Turnier. He said, we are nearly always longing for an easy religion, easy to understand, easy to follow, a religion with no mystery, no insoluble problems, no snags, a religion that would allow us to escape from our miserable human condition, a religion in which contact with God spares us all strife, all uncertainty, all sufferings, and all doubts. In short, a religion without the cross. Most of us are like that. I uh, crawled under my house yesterday and I wanted to put in the electrical uh, for a uh, system that we're going to be putting in. And, and, you know, you pray, oh, God, make this easy. You ever pray that? Oh, God, make this easy. Lord, I really don't want to crawl under my house. There are spiders under there. And I'm not as nimble as I used to be. I said, well, Lord, I'll take my cell phone so if I die under here, they can at least locate me. In fact, before I went under, I says to my wife, I says, honey, I'm going under the house. I was hoping she was paying attention. And uh, I went under there to work on it, and I pulled off the box to work on the electrical. I did turn off the electricity. Some of you are thinking, he didn't turn off electricity, and he just, you know. No, I did turn off electricity. I didn't realize that electricity went to my computer, so it shut down my computer, my internet, and everything else. But uh, I got under there, and it was just a, a, a rat's nest under there as far as, as uh, 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 everything that was under there. And, uh, and, and trying to work on it, I says, you know what? I just can't do this. And at first, I began to feel sorry for myself that I couldn't do this because I was going to have to hire an electrician to do it. And you all know how I hate to spend money. You all know that, don't you? Can we find good even in the midst of difficulties? That's not very bit difficult when you think about it. But can we have our own pity party in the simple things? I, I, was, I was working on my verses uh, for uh, uh, that, my memory verses that I was having. And, and one day this week, I, I couldn't get one of them right. And they review a section and all. And, and I was getting frustrated because I want to get on. I want to I get on with the day. And I was saying, oh, Lord, help me with this. And I couldn't get it. And I knew that if I didn't get it today, if they would put it on the list tomorrow and tomorrow's list would be longer. And I'm sitting there being frustrated. And finally, God said to me, he says, you know what? 
Could there be something good about having that verse on the list tomorrow? Maybe you need to be more concerned about what that verse says than just getting it done. You know, too often in our lives, we're about accomplishing our task rather than finding out what is God going to teach us through this. All things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Well, as we continue on, chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, is his three, four friends, possibly, show up at this time. And, and the rest of the book, from chapter 2, verse 11, to chapter 38, is these guys coming, and they are coming to sympathize. And they stare at him for a week. Can you imagine having your friends come and look at you? You're covered with boils. For an entire week, they say nothing. Finally, Job in chapter 3 decides to speak. And as he speaks, it's interesting, you begin to see, even though he's a perfect man, and he did not charge God foolishly, he wished that he had never been born. You ever come to that place? And possibly we begin, Brother Frank, to see a little weakness there, even on the onset of his first speech. I wish I'd never been born. And he breaks down. And as the book goes on, we see him break down further and further in, 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 in these types of things. We and Job can miss the purpose of life. The purpose of life is not about our comforts. In fact, I was reading in Bible Pathways and it said, God is not human and does not consider a peaceful earthly existence as the most important factor in our life. Yet we are precious to him. No matter how deeply we might suffer, we can have the utmost confidence that if God could not see a purpose in it, then he would not permit it to happen. Whether it is through pain or pleasure, we can be assured that God is always at work in our lives and what he is working for, the fulfillment of his perfect plan. Understand that what Job, 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 Job went through was recorded in the Bible so we could read it today. Understand that what takes place in your life might not be just about you. It might be for other people. Amen to that? So these things, as we consider the purpose and the philosophies of our life, uh, <clears throat> well, sometimes comforting the advice of others cannot give you the answer to a question that is between you and God. These sympathizers become sermonizers and they're trying to discover why the things that are happening. Have you ever tried to discover why these things happen in your life? Again, let me remind you, Job was never told the reason why. One man put it this way when you're trying to discover these answers. He said it was like looking for, it's like a blind man in a dark room searching for a black cat that isn't there. Well, after the friends, and by the way, these friends, can I just say this? These friends give some amazing concepts. When you read the book of Job, don't you think, wow, this is insightful. This is amazing what they're bringing up. I mean, they didn't have a Bible either. Do you think these friends love God? 
I do. You know the reason I say I believe they love God? Because when you read at the end of the book, God comes and speaks to Job and then he speaks to his friends. And when he speaks to his friends there, what did they do? They obeyed. They obeyed. You know, it's easy to throw people under the bus unless it's us. Isn't that right? We've all made some of these foolish mistakes in counsel. And truly, we want to give the right counsel. But as God comes on the picture, and we know that God is going to sort out this for Job to the way that God wants to be sorted out, it says in verse 38 that... Uh, and by the way, I just skipped a whole bunch of chapters. Did you re- recognize that? Time could not permit me to give you the entire story. But I hope that these little nuggets will, you'll ponder these things. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkened counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man. Job? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop trying to do these various things than your own strength and pay attention. When God tries to get our attention, we need to pay attention. And God begins to ask him some questions. Guess how many questions he goes to ask him? Somewhere around 77 questions. 77 questions. He goes in this first go-around, and as he finishes this first go-around, Job responds back. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty... By the way, do you know what the word contendeth means? It means to complain. And I want to tell you something, if anything speaks to my heart more in this passage than any other passage, is how many times do I contend with God? Do I complain about the things that are happening in my life rather than having faith that a God in heaven who created all things, which God has just been talking about, knows the beginning from the end, knows what's best. How come I complain? Job had been complaining. He says, shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. Boy, that's pretty strong language. Wouldn't you agree, Mike? Behold, Job says, he answered the Lord, said, behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Upon, once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will not proceed further. Then answered the Lord unto Job. Guess what, Job? I'm not done talking yet. And he comes, chapter 40, chapter 41. He continues on with those 77 questions. And finally... There in chapter 42, as we've read, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou hast, uh, canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Thou knowest the beginning from the end. Can you imagine the insight now that Job has? Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Wherefore have I uttered that I understood not? 
Things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee. In other words, that word demand is I will beg of thee. And and you declared unto me, you've talked to my heart. You've showed me these things that I spoke foolishly. Wherefore, I abhor myself. And what does he do? He repents. He repents. Have you ever gotten down and repented over your complaining? I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's a good place to be. It's a good place for us to recognize what we're doing in our lives when we try to take the ownership of the life to put God in our hands, to make God fit the fashion of our lives and to use God for our delicacies rather than Him being the delicacy. Hebrews says, I am content with this. God says He'll never leave me nor forsake me. What if you lost everything, Darlene? I started complaining over not being able to fix my little electrical problem. And you know what? Surely to stop and to catch what I'm doing and to realize that God knows the very best for my life. Can we come to that place? Job did. It's interesting. Who did God come to first? Job's friends or Job? He comes to Job first. You know, it could have been easy, Donna, for Job if God had gone to his friends first. And Job says, see, I told you so. Do <laughs> You know, oftentimes God wants us to get our hearts right with God for forgiveness to begin. Sometimes we're waiting for other people to get right with God when God wants us to get right. We talk about this world and how this world is going. And I believe God's wanting us to get our hearts right with the Lord. Now you know the end of the story too. And I haven't read it. But God does come to his friends. And it's interesting. He comes to three of his four friends. He leaves out the young guy. Possibly that young guy was on more track than, than what he had. Even though he was arrogant. He gave his pedigree and everything else about him. You know, that kind of disgusting. If he'd come to me, I'd like to slap him. But Job came to his three friends. And says... You guys need to get right with him. And they come and it begins the process. And you know, it's interesting. Fairweather friends or all these. You see people. It's interesting. People started coming back and everything. And it says that God blessed the end of Job more than the beginning. And you'll see there the double of the sheep and all that I've already talked about and everything. And, and, and then the ten children. You know, don't, don't forget that. I mean, that's a great comfort if, if, if you have a loved one that's died and in, in, is in heaven, that, that they are not lost. I mean, this is, this is an amazing doctrinal truth that's being brought out here. And there's another amazing doctrinal truth here. Do you know how many years Job lived? 140 years. Now, understand, again, this is the first book of the Bible being written. But do you know at Psalms chapter 90, I think it's 91, do you know how many years it says is, are the years of man? 70. The years of man are 70. God gave Job a double life. And the Bible says that he finished his life well.
May God help us to finish well. Father, I pray that you will help us now as we we look at just a few uh, uh, little things in this book, but yet big things that spoke to my heart through this last couple of weeks that we can share together. And as we talk about fathers and we talk about families and we talk about what's important to us and and, and reality of, 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 of our understanding, sometimes we act as if we know. God, forgive us of our own arrogance. Forgive us of our own failures. And, and even though we love you and, and we know you're a gracious and merciful and, 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 and wonderful God. And we've seen in here uh, this, your grace being poured out, I believe, to Job's wife. Giving to her ten more children. How important it was in that time and culture. And so, Lord, as we... We look at how our philosophy has been affected by this world, the prosperity of America. Too often we're not willing to go through the struggles of life to bring you glory, to write the chapters that you want us to write. We want to write those chapters. Oh God, I, I pray that we would let go of the controls of our life and let you be God in our lives. There are folks here who have been afflicted, and yet none of us have been afflicted like Job. And truly, none of us have been afflicted like Jesus Christ. So I pray that, Lord, that you'll continue to work in our hearts to take something that was said today, maybe one point, take it home, maybe one point that we'll say, I need to get this right with you. And, Father, I pray that we'll do what you tell us to do, because... We see here in Job, even a wonderful man who gone through all these things, he says, I abhor myself and repent. I'm afraid too often, Lord, we don't even come with the right attitude towards those things that you speak to our hearts about. So, Lord, just work now. And heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We've brought these lessons. What one point did God speak to you about? How about you write that down and say, God, I want to work on that. I know the one point that I've been working on and time and time again, and God has just been dealing with me, and that is the idea of complaining or wanting the easy road rather than God's road. Oh, we are blessed. We are a blessed people, aren't we? But how come it is that we would much rather take that easy road, not put ourselves out, Maybe there's someone here that's not on the road to Calvary, don't know Jesus as their Savior. Why don't today, why don't you come to know Him? Job says, man, I've heard about you, but now I know you. How about you this morning? You've heard about Jesus. You've heard about Him dying on the cross. You've heard about His burial, His resurrection. How about today you come to know Him in your heart? Transfer that knowledge from your head down to your heart. That's really where God wants us to know Him. Not just the head knowledge. But a heart knowledge brings a change of attitude, actions. Oh, my friends, it brings a change of direction, too, from eternal damnation to eternal life. Why not this morning you come to know Him? We're going to give an invitation. And it is my prayer that you will respond as God lays upon your heart. Father, I thank You for this message now. Thank you for speaking to my heart. Thank you for all the things that are in this book that, Lord, are just so, so rich. Now help us to apply it to our lives. Help us, Father, not just to to hear today, but to gain ownership of these truths 
so that when the difficulties come, instead of us feeling sorry for ourselves or feeling beaten up or asking ourselves, where is God? Or why didn't God stop this? If we understand that, Lord, you know what's the very best. And even through our fickle human imaginations, we cannot comprehend in the nth of a degree who you are. Forgive us of our own arrogance. And Lord, let us serve you with a willing heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, did you learn something this morning? I did. I hope you come out with something. Did you learn something this morning, Donna? There's so much in the Bible, isn't there? It's a treasured book. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. Do you believe that? Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Sometimes we can't understand. Let's stand to our feet. As God has worked, may you respond accordingly. Oft times the day seem long, yeah, our trials are to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away. All tears forever over in God. you to memorize that song. I would encourage you when difficulties come your way that you remember what you've heard today. Amen? It'll be strength to your soul. Well, we've got some announcements and they're in the bulletin, but do pray for tomorrow. Our workers will be here. Bring folks in and all the softball game is tomorrow night at uh, Eugene Christian Fellowship, the Ladies Fellowship on Saturday. There's also a wedding here at 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock here, uh, that would be the uh, River and Mary uh, Club's uh, uh, marriage. Uh, then a choir concert next Sunday. So there's no Sunday night tonight. There's no Wednesday night. There is an awards program on Thursday night. We welcome you to come to that. But a choir concert next uh, Sunday night. I encourage you to invite folks to come. Be a part. I think it's going to be a wonderful. I've heard some of the things. Camp, signing up for them and the online registration. That's only two weeks away. Sign up at the Welcome Center for the prayer rally, the breakfast at work day. And we have a 4th of July picnic coming up. So it's busy times and all those sign-ups back there, uh, especially for us to know what you're going to bring and what you're going to bring that day if you'd like. Of course, it's a wonderful time. We also have number 54 for Bev and Phil Stutchel. Congratulations. Are they? Yeah, they're, they're there in the back. Amen. Well, you congratulate them. If there's other decisions to be made, please come and visit with me or one of the pastors. You are dismissed.